0: God is good all the time. and all the time. God is good. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we come and praise your goodness today, recognizing you as the God of the Old Testament, the God of the new, the God of today. Lord, recognizing you as the one who we praise and who's the object of our worship. Recognizing, Lord, that you're the one who speaks to our heart and our spirit that calls us, that sets the example of faithfulness. That leads us to the opportunity for commitment and community. That equips us to reach and share with that which we have with others. So Lord, in this worship today, in this special Sunday in which we gather as a community, recognizing those who've gone before us, recognizing the commitment in which they have given us. Lord, we recognize the call forward in which you pledge us, or you call us to pledge our faith. To you. So, Lord, speak to us in this moment. Speak to us through your written word. Open our hearts, open our ears that we may hear and see and experience you clearly today. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, it seems that showdowns are in full swing. There's been the high school state playoffs for volleyball, for soccer, and now football starts, and baseball's World Series. Anybody watching it? The Braves and the Astros. Even though the Braves are winning a little bit, 3-1, to that it has been quite a showdown. But not all showdowns are sports related. Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Anybody recognize that showdown? Martin Luther and the church. Some do, though, involve food. The hot dog eating contest on July 4th at Coney Island, the Memphis Barbecue Festival. One that I always remember And thinking of this sermon was Bobby Flay's Throwdown. Did you ever watch his show on the Food Network? It's probably 10 years old. But it was a time in which contestants, or he would face contestants, go to their hometown, cook their favorite meal or their meal they're known for, and then there'd be a competition. He'd go to Maryland for crab cakes or Texas for chili or wings or different, uh, different menus wherever he was. And then these guest judges would determine who the winner was. The Bible's full of showdowns too. David and Goliath and many others that we can recall. Today we have a special showdown in our series on the stories of Elijah. It's one between King Ahab Ahab. And Elijah. Now, remember who Elijah was, or he is a prophet, an Old Testament prophet. And prophets were given a word by God to share with someone else, a word they didn't want to hear. And his word today, or this time period, is to Israel, specifically King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, a word to tell them they've been disobedient and Israel's been worshiping these false gods of Baal. In so doing, there's going to be a punishment and consequences. And that was there would be no rain. So for three years, it has not rained. And in the process, Elijah's been running from uh, Jezebel and Ahab who have wanted to kill him. And in in running away, he ends up in Zarephath where God calls him to go to stay with the widow. A Gentile widow, that is. In staying with her and her son, God speaks words of truth through him, that even in the loss of her son and then bringing him back to life, the widow of Zarephath recognizes that truth and recognizes the very presence of God in it. So that brings us to today. The story of Elijah continues. Elijah tells Ahab to bring all of the prophets of Baal together to meet at Mount Carmel, 450 of them. It was time for a showdown. So let's see what happens at that time. I invite you to join me in our scripture today. 1 Kings chapter 18 verses 20 through 39. 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 20. Join me in the scriptures you have online for the Bibles. Those who brought yours in the pews or your devices. 1 Kings 18 verse 20. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets number four hundred and fifty. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. I will prepare the other wood. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire is indeed God. And all the people answered, "Well spoken." Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first for you are many. Then call on the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So they took the bull that was given them, prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, crying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no answer. They limped about the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, cry aloud, surely he is God. Either he is meditating or he has wandered away or he is on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and he must be awakened. Then they cried aloud and as the war was their custom, they cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gushed out over them. As midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no answer and no response. Then Elijah said to all the people, come closer to me. And all the people came closer to him. First, he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. With the stones, he built an altar to the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar large enough to contain two measures of seed. Next, he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the the wood. He said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time and do it a third time so that the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench also with water. At the time of the offering of the oblation, the prophet Elijah came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your bidding. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and even licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. This is the word of the Lord for us, the people of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. The, well, the most memorable showdown for me came in ninth grade. Ninth grade was junior high school. It was the district uh, track meet. Last meet of the year. I wasn't going to run in high school, so it was my last meet ever. It was the 400, my favorite race. I was in lane three or four. As you know, the, the runners are staggered out. The caller says, on your mark, click, and off I go. <laughs> Except it wasn't the click of a gun. It was the click of a camera. Now, for those back then, cameras made louder noises when they clicked. And so I'll I'll use that as my excuse. But I was disqualified. Would never race again. I couldn't compete anymore. All I had worked for all year long came to a quick halt. Lesson to be learned. Makes you stronger. Builds character. Still learning almost 40 years later from those stories that we have. We've got a lot to learn from these stories of Elijah. Three main points that I want to emphasize this morning. One is the power of God. Another is more about us and our relationship to God. In other words, our offering to God. And third is our allegiance to God. The power of God, our offering to God, and our allegiance to God. Let's look at the first one. The power of God at work. Elijah challenged Ahab to a showdown. God called him earlier in chapter 18 to meet with Ahab, called Elijah to meet with Ahab. And so he did, and the showdown happens. He gave the Baal prophets every opportunity to succeed, every opportunity to have an advantage, to choose the bull, to, to choose what was going to happen there. And they spent all morning pleading to their deity and receive no answer. But then what does elijah do he calls upon god and instantly god answers elijah even though the altar has been poured wet and he consumes the wood the bull the stones the dust we see god's powerfulness we see god's omnipotence his his all-powerfulness we see God's sovereignty, that there's nothing greater than God. But we also recognize that many times in the midst of God's power, is an example of God's grace and mercy. If you have your Bibles open at 1 Kings 18, look back at verse 1. Look back at verse 1 or online if you've got it, or your device. What did God say to Elijah. Somebody tell me if you got it there. Present yourself to Ahab and what? I'll send the rain. rain. What hadn't happened in three years? Rain. After the showdown in today's scripture, we find that God sends rain. God God is the initiator of the end of the drought. And through God's actions, others are drawn to him. Where have you experienced the power of God? Where have you seen in your own life or witnessed in the community the very presence and power of God at work? Next, let us look at what a true offering to God looks like. How many prophets of Baal were there? 450. And how many prophets of God were there? One. One to 450. Twelve jars of water on the sacrifice. It hadn't rained in three years. I can't imagine that the pouring on of water on this offering probably what looked on too kindly. In other words, I think Elijah's risking it all. He's given it all three different times. Four jars of water, poured on the altar. It hadn't rained in three years. He's putting it all on the line. He's sold out for God. I don't think Elijah was testing God. His faith, his connection, his relationship was strong. He was confident. He trusted that God would send the rain. Wouldn't it be awesome to have that much assurance? Wouldn't it be amazing if in that type of situation, one to 450, that we would trust in the very presence and power of God to come through? Wouldn't it be awesome to have that much assurance in the situations and decisions that we face? Or is our spirit too dried up? We can have such assurance. But it takes discipline. It takes trust. It takes confidence and it actually takes letting go. Which brings me to my third point. Where is your allegiance? Where is my allegiance? Where is our allegiance? Look back at 30 at verse 21 if you've got chapter 18 still open. What did Elijah ask the people? How long will you some Different versions there, limping between two different opinions, waver between two different opinions, right? You ever heard that before? How long are you going to straddle the fence? How long are you going to try to sit in both of those chairs? How long will you try to straddle the issue? You've got to choose one. And then did you see what the people said? The people of Israel, what did they say in verse 21? Nothing. Nothing. Not a word. I don't believe anybody here at worship today would deny God just outright, or you probably wouldn't be here at worship. Our challenge, our greatest challenge is not whether we believe God exists or not. Our greatest challenge is faithfulness to one God and not to any other. What are some of those other gods, little g, that we face, that we depend on, that we look to for our happiness, our security, our success? Our weakness and our failure is often one of trust. Trusting whether God will adequately provide for our needs. We live in this polytheistic community, a a community of multiple gods, a society where all these gods seem to exist at the same time. And whoever is the most convenient one, whoever is the most pleasurable one, whoever is the one who provides us the greatest satisfaction is the one to whom we lean to or on. We find it so easy to compromise theologically today. We either serve God or we serve Baal or another God. If we don't stand strong for God, in other words, if we say nothing and we straddle the fence then are we choosing God? How about you? Do you find yourselves tired of straddling the fence? It's cold up there. It's doesn't feel very comfortable there. But we're not sure what it's like on the other side. The story of Elijah today not only reminds us of the power of God and the faithfulness of Elijah's offering, but the necessity for us in our own lives to stay, to take a stand with God. And the standard we've been given is his word. Take a stand for God, which means standing against all other gods. To do that, we must deny the little God's power and influence in our life. We must be willing to surrender that influence that sometimes captivates us. When we do, and seek God alone as Elijah did, and allow God to work in our life then he will accomplish amazing showdowns or throwdowns that no little God could ever do. Jesus in Matthew 6, 24, Humankind cannot serve both God and wealth. Joshua, who led the Hebrew people into the promised land after Moses confronted the Israelites on their wavering by pledging, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you ever found yourself in one of those contests, one of those showdowns or throwdowns? Maybe it was a sporting event. Maybe it was a cooking event. Maybe it was even a theological debate. Each day. Each decision that we make in our life, our career, and our family in a sense becomes that showdown in the sense that it's what side are we going to choose? God or the world? Self or sacrifice? I think it's time for us to get off the fence and give up the limp. To choose this day whom we will serve. One God, the God of Elisha and Joshua, the God of Jesus, or the gods that the world The gods who, when we really call out, when we really need it, when we find ourselves in a desperate place, won't even answer us. Let us be faithful that we will be witnesses to the power of God and his grace and mercy will work through us. Let us be faithful that our offerings won't just become routine actions. Let us be faithful that we are willing to risk it all when when confronted with the false prophets of the world. Following God, standing up for God was not just a one-time decision for Elijah. And neither is it a one-time decision for us. It's a showdown we're likely to face often. But the outcome is determined one decision at a time. Through each, may we remember that God's power is omnipotent. May we, ne- may we remember that His offering is sufficient. And may we know that his allegiance is never wavering. But what about ours? What about mine? What about yours? The name of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, on this day in which we are confronted once again with another story of Elijah, we recognize his commitments to you and to the faith, and we also recognize, Lord, in our own life, and our own hearts, the struggle that we have in living out this faith through our time, through our resources, through our efforts. We're tired, perhaps we're lonely, Perhaps we're not real confident. Perhaps the the fence is breaking and we don't know which side to go on. So, Lord, we turn to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one in whom we can count our sure and solid foundation, recognizing, Lord, that you seek to guide our every step. Thank you for giving us the freedom to take that step, Lord. And for the grace and mercy to bring us back when we go the wrong way. So, Lord, I pray for the manual community. I pray for our commitment to you. I pray for this day in which we come together in service to recognize the opportunity we have to make a difference in the lives around us. That, Lord, this is just one decision today. That tomorrow, for whatever decision comes. We may choose you, knowing that you choose us. In your precious, holy, amazing, incredible, awesome name we pray.